2: This is Paul Hawksby And Andy Jacobs And welcome once again to the H&J Daily, the best bits of this afternoon's show We had a chat about various matters, including uh, stick insects at one point But we'll keep our powder dry on that Seagulls Seagulls, and, but it's more than animals, it's <laughs> sport and everything And we're joined by the Joffrey Archer of his generation uh, Franklin Stevenson, uh, fast bowler One of the best players never to play Test cricket And you'll discover why in our chat <laughs>
1: Thank you. Good afternoon everyone good afternoon Andy uh, good afternoon Paul and I uh, caught the second half yesterday of the championship games I started to watch a bit more championship football this season because uh, it's a great league and I, I've probably not given it justice I used to just watch it at the end of the year to see who was going to come up to the Premier. sorry league, I didn't let me stop you there
2: the producer just shouts it's a filly yeah about five Thank minutes you. too late mate <laughs> about
1: five minutes too late but anyway yeah, still, carry on, yeah. still, still in demand it's a she oh yeah of course very yeah. much so John oh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah no, very much so you know if uh, yeah, you well, don't want to go into any details yeah. uh, anyway what's the second half of the championship and it's quite good the red button except that the main game was Preston with 2-0 n- I'm going to talk about Stoke and the 1-3-0 yeah, three three cool so I, I decided to watch the Leeds Brentford but the trouble match choice is a great thing but the trouble with it I suppose understandably because of the costs it's all the other games are not in HD they're right. in lo-fi oh dear as my my friend poor Dave, old soul you know, well, I know but you, you get used to it it's a funny thing with tellies and and my friend Dave Telly describes it as watching
2: TV.
3: Dave Telly is Dave Dave that you call yeah? him? <laughs>
1: Dave, if you're listening, Dave, with Vaseline smeared over the screen. He's right. It's a really is that Harry watches Telly? No. What's but... he watching? <laughs> I thought you might say. Yeah. That. Slightly anyway, worried. Anyway, I know. I know that... Dave Telly, and I'm slightly worried about <laughs> He's him your now. Man, Dave Telly. Yeah. Marcel Bielsa's tracksuit top. I worked Latest last edition. <laughs> Interview with uh, Yeah, it'd be great. It's it? massive. It would fit William Refrigerator Perry. It's huge. <laughs> I don't know what a strange choice. He's so eccentric because he can have, have the choice of any kit in the in the place that would fit him why mm. wear one that's so sort of like, looks like it's been washed a hundred times <laughs> it's not like sorry's operating theater scrubs look or ralph Hassan wetsuit yeah it's the small woman has borrowed her much larger boyfriend's sweater look yeah she's put that? that
2: on in the morning just yeah. to go and get the papers and make yeah. a cup of tea it's it's well of those, str- is it one of
1: those is it very much yeah so. yeah yeah what a strange look but there you go yeah so there we are. That's, I, it. Ralph, That's all I got. I Ralph, Ralph. Hasenhügel's wetsuit
2: it, it, it is a good look, is it? He yeah. does basically wear a wetsuit for games. Yeah. If he was more eccentric, he would wear the flippers and the mask, wouldn't he? <laughs>
1: yeah, good to. And. Uh, and Ketia came on in the 76th minute. It's a good player him, very good. We're Could talking, be good we, next year. Yeah, well, when well, you were well, off well, last week we were talking about Well,
2: I, I said to you well, I'm surprised hmm. they were going to let him go out. On, I mean I know they've got a lot of good strikers Arsenal. But you know, he's one more year. of... That's a very good loan move for him. If he gets him up, he'll be flying. Yeah, next he wouldn't year. play. I'm Arsenal. sorry to say from my point of yeah, view. Yeah,
1: but it's 7 he came on in the 76th minute, and I thought, well, you know, i was not going to want him to play a bit more than this. But yeah. anyway, they'll be happy he got a, got the goal, and he's got great movement. He really has, and uh, he's still got man of the match, even though he was uh, only came on for about 15 minutes. At least I thought, thought so.
2: At least Ketty is getting game time. We've given Jack Clark. Tottenham have signed Jack Clark and uh, lent him back to Leeds, and he's not getting a sniff, although. Dave Williams, I it was who works. Jack
1: Harrison, is it Jack Clark? Jack
2: Clark, yeah, no, okay, Jack right. Harrison's playing. Well, this is the thing. Um, Jack
1: Clark's not played, I don't think. Leeds, yeah,
2: Dave, who yeah. works with us here, did say to me he he was quite sceptical that Clark was going to get that many games uh, going back, and I'm sure Spurs aren't particularly happy because yeah, they've they asked we, for him. Perhaps they could loan him out. And he's bench warming by the sound that's of it at the moment. Key. Maybe you know more than I do, Leeds fans, but that's that's what he looks like. But yeah. they've certainly taken to and uh, here, haven't they?
1: Yeah, we're well, not surprised. They'll, they'll tell us anyway. It's Moose's favourite day of the year you <laughs> Is it? It's National Burger Day. Oh, we'll talk to him about oh, that yes, uh, yeah. later on. Don't think they do a tuna burger. They, that's an
2: important I say Ali was eating a burger at about half past 6 in the morning. <laughs> that's quite <laughs> that's quite bold <laughs> dedication was, to they, duty. They brought is. some
1: in, yeah, yeah. Now we heard on Jim's Show earlier uh, from Debbie Jevons and Debbie Jevons We uh, did, yeah, yeah, from and the Football course, League. Honestly, if once Debbie gives up her position at the Football League, there's a great yeah. career for her in TV formats yeah. and t- TV programmes and uh, so we've come up with a few you'll you'll do better than we do yeah you I've always got, do uh, listeners yeah i've got knock knock knocking on jevon's door well, that's is that the uh, kind of a, a childish game that you play <laughs> no tabloid reporters take turns <clears throat> to doorstep debbie okay
2: well, it's not much of a show well, is it, it teaches you how to do it what about the jevons open which is her look at what it's <laughs> like to go out on day one the first morning of a test match <laughs> and uh, face hostile bowling <laughs> and it's just that mindset yeah. of, of the opening batsman which is very different from everybody yeah, else is very true Debbie, Debbie looks into the psyche of She'd that. She'd be very
1: good at that. Yeah, Jevons yeah. can wait. Uh, Debbie serves customers at various restaurants, or Debbie tells you how to queue. What yeah, what's effect? it like yeah. to go
2: from the very top of uh, football <laughs> administration to wait on tables?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a good show. You'll, you'll do That's Channel 4, that yeah, is. that's one of, those, obvious, yeah.
2: one of those kinds. Of... Anyway, yeah, if yeah. you've got any more, um, talksport.com uh, forward slash H&J, text to 81089, or you can tweet to J this afternoon. It's 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 raining at um, Headingley. Yeah. Um, at I England. hope they get
1: a lot of play, and otherwise this decision to put them in is... Uh, I think it's iffy. I knew he was going to do it. I went to bed <clears> last night, <throat> I thought. Hmm. Joe Root wins the toss, he's going to put them in, but he shouldn't. And uh, even if... You know, both sides can't bat, so... The, the advantage of, of putting them in, you know, isn't that great? It's not like we're suddenly... Well, you know, if we get them out for 200, say... If we got a full morning
2: in, in those overcast yeah, conditions, but it would say we get been. them
1: out for 220, something like that. Yeah. You know, England aren't the sort of batting line that they're going to score four 500 and then, you know, not have to bat again. They're going to have to bat last on this pitch, and we've seen in the first two Test matches, both teams that had to bat last struggled. England, pathetically, yeah. and Australia nearly got into trouble, in and if it had declared a bit earlier... They may have been in trouble, and that, again, that decision to de- <clears throat> not to declare earlier because you know, I just I think he's a wonderful batsman, but I, personally, I don't see it with his captaincy. I just don't think he's an instinctive captain. If I can predict what he's going to do, I think it's not good. But anyway, John, Norm will undoubtedly disagree with me.
2: Well, look, they've taken. Um lunch a bit earlier so hopefully they'll yeah. get out soon looking at the pictures from heading there still quite a few brollies up mm, yeah. a few people that get, are braving you know, the stands they
1: don't get a lot of playing today and then Australia back tomorrow and it's yeah. when the weather's lovely then you know there was always
2: like, a danger they thought there might point. be a little bit of s- scattered rain but maybe not as much as they've had lovely Otherwise, delivery by Archer, though, it was yeah about. yeah well
1: let's hope they can get out there and it's still overcast unless they bow them out for like 180 I think it was a mistake but there we go we'll see the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. <laughs>
2: Now, if you're a young, uh, fast bowler and uh, you're living in the West Indies, you're a good uh, batsman as well, you take a chance, uh, you leave home as a young man and look to play trade in this country. We could be talking about Joffre Archer, but we're not. We're talking about Franklin Stevenson, who uh, did all that uh, back in the 80s. He's told his story now in my song, Shelby Cricket, his autobiography. And he joins us now. Franklin, great to see you. Thanks for coming in.
3: Thank you very much. i love the guys inviting me.
2: Yeah, we just yeah, seen pleasure. some pictures from your um, uh, Franklin Stevenson Academy over uh, in Barbados. And there's a picture of you with uh, Joffre. So have you been following his career with interest?
3: Oh, very much so. Um, I first came across Joffre years ago. He was actually playing some cricket, some uh, impromptu uh, tip ball cricket in uh, the, the tennis courts at... Uh, the local school, the high school where the game was on and he actually hit my grongsman in his head. So <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so he quickly called me and asked me to come back because uh he you know to take this youngster on. You know, so he just shoots me with a few bouncers and so on, but uh it was all fun so he remembers it to this day actually.
1: Wow. Do you have mixed feelings about the fact that I mean his dad was English I believe or dad his, is English. Dad yeah, is yeah. English, yeah. Uh, that he chose England. I mean because you know West Indies all right, they're not short of great fast bowlers. The current crop are quite good, but you know he looks as if he's something special.
3: Well, that's what happens in the Caribbean. That's what we've been fighting for quite a while, actually. And through really, the academy, I'm finding it that it's it's still a very big stumbling block. It happened to me in my career. I think that my book can actually show that. That uh, even in Jofra's uh, statements, he said that uh, he was injured. Nobody was checking him out. Nobody was seeing how he was doing. This is after playing for the West Indies on the 19s. And uh, then to have an injury, he felt as though he was way back in the in the queue, back with the B team, C team or whatever. And it was a very cloudy road ahead. So he decided to come to England and play some cricket where he had the opportunity. He had a British passport, I think it was. And, you know, it's a story of almost every young player these days in the Caribbean. If your face doesn't fit, we've got a an administration that have really, really lost their way. And I don't really see a... a you know, the answer to it, really.
2: Yeah, we 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 had a, we speak to Mikey Holding now and again, but I think he's reached the point, Mikey, where he feels mm. like he, he's got nothing more to say about the West in his cricket ball. He can't, he's, there. Are no words left, really. I think he's run out.
3: <laughs> yes, it's a sad thing. I'm actually bound, you know, my tongue is bound in a sense because I've got an academy, some great young players, beautiful young players coming through. And I just get the feel that already they're being victimised, you know. Uh, and so it has been the case. You know, yeah. we've got... Uh, people who we put in position that are not really cricket at heart in a the sense. They haven't had a lineage in the game, a history in the game, but they're trying to make a name for themselves. And so they look across and say to the players, well, you know, you, you think you're going somewhere? Like, uh, they don't rate, but they, what, I mean, how, how can they judge when they don't understand what a player's feeling on the field when he's out there, you know, it's, it's third third session of the day and you still got to get that breakthrough, you know, so...
2: People often say, frankly, that you're one of the best players, if not the best player, never to play Test cricket. And probably the reason for that was that you were part of the Rebel Tour during the apartheid era to South Africa. You went on two tours there. You talk about it in the book um, and you you talk about the experience of going there. And also, you kind of feel that it did have an impact on what happened in South Africa in later years, that that rather than it being a distraction, it was a kind of force for good in the long term.
3: Absolutely. It was my plan, actually. I didn't really plan on going to, on the tour. Even when they asked me, they came at the last moment because they always thought I would be a whistleblower. I was doing really, really well in the leagues. You know, I was, you know, offered by contracts by Middlesex where they couldn't pick up because it was tied to the league clubs and they were doing really well winning the championship pretty much every year, wherever I played. And, you know, so when it was the last moment when Winston Davis pulled out, uh, and I was asked, and I said thank you, but no, no. It was again. Then they came with a 25% increase uh, in the offer, and I still said no. I was just moving into our house, my wife and little baby. But when I saw the team leaving to go to South Africa, I, I really it, my heart sunk. You know, it was more than just a tour. And these guys were leaving, saying that they were going on holiday, and it, this, you know, it was nonsense. It was the most important tour that our nation would ever make. I thought to go represent 28 million black people. Uh, who didn't have a voice so i always thought that sport could mm-hmm. make that difference and i changed my mind and i joined the team i caught up with the team in new york and uh, and i went off and the book would show a lot of that you know and i saw a lot of positives you know when i got there i thought that uh, you know well i'm here for as a force of change and i can do do what you know <laughs>
1: did you feel under pressure because i mean there was a lot on you guys i mean to to perform and to do well in front of that sort of afrikaans audience
3: well, the funny thing is, you know, you can feel the pressure of stepping onto a plane or worrying what world conditions are going to be like. But once you step onto that pitch, it's all about uh, performance. It's all about uh, this is what I do. And I was really keen to look forward to doing that. I wasn't fully fit for the tour, but I always found a way somehow through my injuries to, you know, put in that performance and, you know, create any sort of change in my, well, whatever that I needed to do to get that performance happen. So I was quite confident that I'd be okay, you know, once I'm given the ball and, You know, the arena is set.
2: Although players from other countries did come back and after a shorter two- or three-year ban did play cricket for their countries again, the West Indies was effectively an unofficial lifetime ban. It did cost you, because you were still a young man, a young player, and you almost undoubtedly would have played test cricket for the West Indies. Do you have any regrets now? Do you wish you hadn't gone?
3: Well, I was the youngest player on the tour. I was 22 years old, I think it was, when I decided to join the tour. And I'd actually made my first-class debut for Tasmania. Uh, and again, you can see the comparisons. You know, I mean, if at that time and uh, the Australian board was quite keen, I mean, my my, my debut, ten for forty six at uh, the MCG, uh, Tasmania's first win on the middle of Australia, man of the match, that sort of stuff. A youngster just walking into international cricket. If they wanted to, they could have maybe put some strings like England did, and here they've got a, a lovely new fast bowler. But ba- yes. ba- ba- but never saw it like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, i had been here already with the West Indies on the nineteenth and. Through adversity, I performed outstanding. You know, uh, at the book will show, I can't go through all of it at the moment. Sure, know, of course. But One <laughs> thing in the book
1: is lots of photos of you and uh, Sir Garfield Sobers. And,
3: he's written the foreword,
2: hasn't yeah, he? And for,
1: yes. for younger people who never saw him play, I mean, in my opinion, I, you probably agree, I think he's the greatest ever player for what he could do and the way he approached cricket.
3: I've never seen anything like it. I bowled to him. You know, you've heard a lot about it. I couldn't be cigar field service as a kid because he was a left-hander and we were playing. So I would say I'm um, Everton Weeks. But then, it's, you know, it wasn't right because he never really hit a six and let to smash it, you know. So, But to actually get to play against Cigarry, it was an amazing thing. I was on the field and he hobbled onto the field in this uh, uh, hotel-friendly game. And the awe that, that surrounded him when he approached and everybody, you know, around, and so I ran to bowl to him, and I thought it was like happening in slow motion. You know, I was a young 19-year-old quick bowler, and he was playing everything so easily over the middle of the bat, and it was going on to long off, long on, and he would hobble on his back and amble a little, single, you know, and he's just smiling away. So I thought, and I get this jeer, you know, come on, you got to bowl him a bouncer. I said, nah, man, this old man, if I hit him, what would happen? I would get lynched or something. You know. <laughs> and they were laughing. I thought they were laughing to think that I was so keen. No, you know, they're laughing at me, so I said, okay. And I honestly decided I was on the bone of Banks, but not just not head high just in case something <laughs> happened. <laughs> <laughs> and it was about shoulder high definitely. But the way he says so smashed this ball through the mid wicket. I mean <laughs> it was like all of a sudden he just like like this is this lion playing with a cub, and all of a sudden, just gave me a slap. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he walked on the pitch and said, "Listen, bowl to your friend's son here." thought. <laughs> funny thing is, I was never going to bowl him another another sharp ball. I mean, I bowl guys sharp balls, and the way they hooked them, I could say okay, I'm going to set him up and bowl another one. I was never going to bowl him another sharp ball.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you had a great slower ball as well, Franny. and a lot of players talk about your great disguised slower ball that you had uh, that they just they really couldn't see coming, and uh, that's something obviously you perfected.
3: Yes, I was showing some kids a couple of days ago and they were still in awe as to how we got the ball to change grip in my hand mm. amidst tried after, after showing the batsman that was bowling seam up. But it's something that I, I delivered. I I developed in the leagues, you know, trying to bowl longer and give my fellow teammates and the guys in the second team a bit of a knock rather than than the net falling into shambles, you know. And I think that these days guys bowl weight-offs and change-ups. But my, my delivery, I think, was actually a... a well-disguised slow ball where my action didn't change and if you didn't pick up that my grip had changed halfway through my delivery not the approach the actual halfway through the swing in my arm then you saw that there was a beamer coming straight at your head when you looked at the ball and so you think you thought from a seam up to an off break a lot of batsmen including the likes of Mark Waugh and uh, Mike Gattin, you know, we have a yeah. about of on a regular basis, but they actually ducked to be bowled under their nose with the ball actually pitching and hitting the off-stamp. Yeah, there's a, there's
1: a photo in the book, isn't there? Of, yeah. uh, who was it? Uh, Brian Hardy's off-stamp, removed by a ball he was originally ducking. Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that must be a
2: great feeling. Yeah, now, apart definitely. from, you mentioned your academy uh, over in uh, Barbados, Franklin Stevenson Cricket Academy. You're, you're a very good golfer these days. You've got a second sporting career after cricket. I mean, you're... The pro, uh, is it, we're pro at Sandy Lane, is that right?
3: Resident pro at Sandy yeah. Lane, the wow. 5 Diamond resort in, in Barbados. Yes, I've wow, nice. been for 21 years now. Wow.
2: Did you come to golf late? Were you playing a lot as a cricketer? or?
3: Well, I actually founded the Barbados Professional Golfers Association the same year that I actually did the double in the English County Cricket, which was 1988. I went up to the Belfry and sat down with the Secretary of the European PGA, Lawrence Thornton, and formulated the Constitution, went back and registered the Barbados Professional Golfers Association.
2: Wow, well, you were the last... Player to do the double, weren't you? That thousand um, runs, 100, t- 100 wickets in a in a county season, is that right?
3: Yes, hundred twenty five wickets and thousand and seventeen runs. I think it was. Wow,
2: still stands. Amazing. Wow, really? incredible. Well, that's not going to be beaten. I wouldn't think. That's fantastic. Right. Well, it's not a fascinating read. It covers uh, a lot of your early life as well, growing up in Barbados and uh, lots of other great stories as well. So, uh, loving to see you, Franklin. Continue success with the academies and the golf and everything else. And uh, thanks for coming in.
3: Beautiful. Thank you guys for having me.
2: Franklin Stevenson's book, My Song Shall Be Cricket, uh, is available now with a forward by uh, Cigarfield Sobers. Pitch Publishing uh, are the publishers of the book. It's uh, Paul Hawksby and Andy
1: Jacobs here on TalkSport. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport.
2: Hawksby and Jacobs here on TalkSport and Racing TV have teamed up with TalkSport to give away an awesome entertainment package of a year's subscription to Racing TV plus a 40-inch television so you don't miss out on any of the horse racing action. This week, you can watch every race live from the Welcome to Yorkshire Ebor Festival and tomorrow there's an exclusive one-day-only offer at RacingTV.com. So head over to TalkSport.com forward slash win to enter and find out more about subscribing to the home of British... And Irish racing, we have it in front of us at the moment, watching it all unfold yep. at York, and uh, we'll be crossing to Lee McKenzie later on for the Oaks at three thirty-five. Enable in action ahead uh, of the Ark, possibly the last time uh, the uh, filly will be running in the UK.
1: The Daily Star had another uh, vicious seagull story today. Their yeah. obsession of the summer, uh, Monday, they described them uh, in the tabloid style as the psychotic flying scumbags. <laughs> Yeah. seagulls That me. does sound like a punk band doesn't it? <laughs> it does really um, Today what are they? The, the Manic Birds that's not too bad actually. The manic no, that, that's a tribute act isn't it? <laughs> they just play bird
2: songs a little bit quicker
1: <laughs> I did love that picture of David Cameron former Prime Minister coming out of the sea uh, Yeah. On not exactly James Bond is he? Not exactly Daniel Craig <laughs> well, I don't think he sets
2: himself up to be <laughs> no. um, I, There was another story as well s- s- more mm. seagull news Andy seagulls are plaguing Kensington central London, 45 miles inland, but Hmm. for some time now we've known about the urban gull Apparently, I was reading about it. they're a very adaptable bird, the seagull. And they have, <laughs> a, there's a kind of, there's, do you know like the town mouse and the country mouse? Oh, yeah. There is uh, There is your kind of, um, there's your seagull, which mm. is keeping true to its roots. Oh, yeah. Uh, staying by the sea. Yeah. But there is the urban gull, it's a thing. Really? And it's it's come inland and, uh, yeah. And it's it settled nest, inland. Nests in built buildings and does its it own It doesn't thing. rely
1: on fish for its diet. Well, I
2: mean, go down the bins or chips or kids' oh, ice chips. creams yeah, on Brighton seafront, yeah. but uh, yeah, they'll kind of go wandering <laughs> into shops. They're quite very, you know, quite intrepid and
1: uh, and can be a bit vicious as, mm. as we have seen. Andy. Well, they can be. God, Congratulations right. to British Airways who've just announced they've lost one hundred and fifty thousand bags this year. What a tremendous achievement! <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't present it as some sort of um, badge of
2: honour, did they? I, I think. think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got um, you've got to love. Oh yeah, you've got. What a love, um, Daniel Levy well, I suppose so. Because um, he's looking to sell, he sold George Kevin and Kudu today. Oh, did he? Um, he's got Finally to get gone. off the books after, yeah, I mean, <laughs> after, you know, he, he played quite well pre-season knowing mm. he was in the shop window. Mm. So he's gone off to, I think he's gone to Turkey somewhere, I'm not quite sure where, but good luck to him. It never quite worked, really. Clinton and G light, and that is saying something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, he, he did his best, but it was a very odd signing. Victor Wanyama. Uh, yeah, God, they want money for him, well, Tottenham they? paid 11 Seven million form. I think. <laughs> no. um, uh, uh, I think Bruges are interested, is it? Uh, question million seventeen
1: interested? million. How can he be worth more than he was like, when he came? Well, I think
2: it's a package of seventeen million. Is it? So when he plays in the World Cup final for Kenya, uh, it's probably an extra two <laughs> or three million quid. <laughs> I'd but it. dear old Victor, he had one fantastic season. Then he got a couple of injuries and sadly has not been the same player since yeah, he tonight. He was a very
1: good player wasn't it? Was it, yeah. where was it? Celtic, Southampton? He
2: Southampton. No, mm. was mm. great for Tottenham, he had an excellent one, well, excellent season for Spurs the last season at, uh, a,
1: at White Hart did Lane. Did a bit of a job at the end of last season when he had to fill in didn't he for well, people? He, he and...
2: had a, you th- I thought he's back and then I saw him a couple of times and he mm. really was diminishing returns he kept Different losing, ball, you it? can't lose the ball that much in a key area of the pitch like that and yeah. he'd gone off the ball so good luck to him, thanks
1: for that uh, wonderful last unbeaten season but I think it was Time to move on. Really, I did like the uh, description of the chap Carl Dennis. Says uh, a man who uh, lost his seventy thousand pound mortgage offer after they Googled him and found out that he had a five hundred pound a month tanning addiction. Wow! And uh, he, it, <laughs> the son called him Human Solar Panel, Carl Dennis. That's like Lotto <laughs> Lout, Mike Mikey Carroll. Yeah. That's really going to stick with Carl, the
2: Human Solar Panel.
1: <laughs> Brilliant description.
2: So, um, you gave us loads of TV formats for the Football League's Debbie Jevons, mm. but then David Collins said, Guys, I think you've already done Debbie no, Jevons I, I, I this year. I agree with David. This year. I, I didn't remember doing it. I, I, I've got a better memory than Andy, and you got me there, David, but you are the H&J completeness, you'd know. <laughs> yeah. Jevons in Devon, says Cheats. <laughs> Debbie wanders around Devon aimlessly looking for other Jevons living in Devon. Well, I've seen worse on telly. <laughs> Jevons of
1: Mass Destruction, (laughs) Debbie works... still going to be better than Scarlett Moffat and her family go and spend time with the Himba tribe. (laughs) That'll
2: be good, yeah. Um, uh, Jevons of Mass mass Destruction, Uh, Debbie joins uh, forces with Nick Knowles on major demolition projects, says Ken. In between Jevon and hell, Debbie is in the middle of a tough negotiation between the rich and the poor. It's an ironic format, says Mm. Ross. I can't see it getting made. Pennies from Jevons. Like the undercover boss, she goes around small struggling football clubs and hands out money to help them. <laughs> May I suggest Barry uh, could be her first stop, idea. Dave in Tunbridge. And uh, what about Jevons 17, where Debbie <laughs> forms an 80s tribute band? Ken, Uh, Thank you very much, Ken Importsman. Thanks for all of those. We had done them before, but
1: you just did them again. Sorry, David. Good spot. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Uh, I was reading about this today in the Daily Star. A type of UK female stick insect (laughs) has turned asexual, wiping out the. Male population, and it could happen to humans, say New Zealand really? scientists.
2: That's a bit of a leap,
1: isn't it? <laughs> no! One <laughs> stick insect and the human
2: race.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's going to take time. It's not going to happen over the next couple of weeks, is it?
1: It's something that's going to take time, you would think. And uh, the U- US talk show host Larry King. Oh, yeah. He's still around. He's 85 now. Yeah, Him is. of the red braces. Oh, know, yeah, the we know. The cigar, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's divorcing his seventh wife. Wow. Sean King's 59 after 22 years. Blimey, has been married to her for 22 years, so he had six before that. Blimey, that's amazing. This one was it? a keeper. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, what about that? That's like well, no, he wasn't literally like, a he was keeper. Like, he was like, Frank... Yeah, incredible.
2: <laughs> yeah, could be. Um, we mentioned seagulls earlier on, and um, you, what was the phrase
1: that the papers used? Because they couldn't the, use the word. The, what was it? The psychotic flying scumbags? scumbags. Yeah, like one of the that, papers
2: yeah. used. Very good uh, idea from uh, Matt Lang, who mm. says, "Surely, um, seagulls. If you're looking for an alternative to the word manic beach screeches." <laughs> <laughs> That's very, yeah, oh, good. very good. That's very good. Uh, <laughs> Matt, that certainly works. So uh, thank you very much for that.
1: And uh, they did uh, a uh, um, piece in the Sun today about uh, uh, posh food terms that people don't understand, like, oh, yeah. which are a bit pretentious to like up. Is a trendy word for gravy. Yeah, you you just call it gravy, I agree. But one of them, Balatine, I I never know what that is, but I always think of Ramadan and (laughs) Balatine. What is a Balatine? It's a type of uh, boned chicken thigh. Is Apparently. it really? Yeah, I never oh, knew I, that. I never knew. I thought we had a series of gyms and used to be on uh, Dragon's Day. <laughs> yeah, game. that's him. Yeah, uh, anything else? <laughs> anything else I, I might have? A bit of aggro at the... Uh, actually, it's quite unpleasant. At the uh, World Tango Championships, a oh. Russian dancer was disqualified after basically hitting his partner. Wow, you wouldn't dear, expect You wouldn't expect that, would you, in the sort of World Tango Championships? Well, you wouldn't expect <laughs> you that the World really. really. Tango Championships. a shocker, Andy, really. You know, you Ralph it, Rangnick has said that Jurgen Klopp is the best... Coach in the world at the moment. Okay. What about Pep? Seems to have forgotten Pep. <laughs> well, seven one seven. We could talk about that for hours, but we, let's be honest, we probably won't. And these these always fascinate me. But this one's a quite a strange one. These, these people that text the Daily Star every day requesting a picture. Yeah, when you think, well, if you're that interested, you Google it. Just Google it, yeah. But Colin from Kent uh, sent the the Daily Star a text saying, There's something about presenter Victoria Coran Mitchell that I like. Okay. That's a bit creepy, isn't it? How about a nice picture, he says? Restraining orders (laughs) all around,
2: Colin. (laughs)
1: Yeah. That's strange. Now, they're
2: crying foul over in Turin. Torino play uh, Wolves tonight. Mm. Oh, yeah, they're not happy about it, are they? The officials of Portuguese. (laughs) Yeah, so well, they're, it's, it's not, they're worried because of Wolves' kind of a Portuguese enclave. This can have some they are sort of advantage. They're basically Portuguese team, Wolves, aren't they? Well, I don't know. Got a Cody of, doesn't look that Portuguese? They've got they? a
1: lot of. They've got a Portuguese manager, yeah. a Portuguese agent, sort yeah. of thing that de- does a lot of the deals. Mm. They've got a lot of Portuguese players. Yeah, there's a big I mean, you Portuguese know, influence. That, that may make the referee even less likely to, uh, to put it all well, well, there they, well, they just call it as they see it, don't they? A, that is a think, tough old yeah. test,
2: isn't it? Celtic have got to go to AIK as well in Sweden, so some tough old games are still right, They
1: do a bit better than they did last week. Losing to Cluj. that was a really poor performance. Yeah, it race, was, wasn't, wasn't it? it? Yeah, so yeah.
2: they've, they've got to come through uh, to stick around in the Europa League anyway. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4pm on Talk Sport. There we are. That was this afternoon show. We return tomorrow from <laughs> one. We'll have the clips of the week and all sorts of other stuff <laughs> besides. So, man, we're recording this in a
1: corridor. People keep It's the bum- corridor it. of uncertainty. It certainly
2: is. We're recording this in a corridor. <laughs> the state-of-the-art business we've become. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for downloading us, and we will catch up with you tomorrow from one.